I don't believe in free speech. I don't believe in free speech. I can't stand what they teach. I don't believe in free speech. I can't stand what they teach. I can't stand what they preach. I don't believe in free speech. So, latest landmine in the road of trans-LGBTQ landmines that the world is trying to navigate these days. Uh, We've been trying to talk about Camp Interlochen for a while. This happened a while ago. They announced that they were going to, at this year's sort of summer camp for kids, they were going to respect whatever gender identity each individual kid camper had, even if they transitioned at camp. It's a camp sponsored by the Milwaukee Jewish Community Center. And that's like all I saw about it. I wasn't sure if it was like a music camp either. It just said it was specified that it was an overnight camp. Um, I think like maybe multiple overnights. But the point is like it's it involves like sleepover cabins and showers and bathrooms. And they've, uh, you know, made this decision now that, that it's going to be like whatever gender you identify with and declare, even if you transition while you're at camp. And even if your parents have no idea and whatever – the camp is going to respect that. So like if you so like if if your son went to camp and then got there and and I and suddenly told them that actually he identifies as a girl, then uh then they would start using whatever name your son said, you know, if 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 your son said, "Okay, I'm uh my I call want me Loretta. call me Loretta." <laughs> my little Monty Python reference. Um then they would call they would call her L- Loretta and use her pronouns. And let her use the girls' uh, bathroom and sleep in the bunk with the girls, and maybe even use the showers. But but when speaking to the parents, this is one thing I found interesting. Um, they would continue to um, to misgender your son and dead name him to the parents in order to essentially trick them because they don't want to out your son. So like when they were talking to you, they would say, they wouldn't say Loretta and she, they would use your son's name and say he, um, but they would use the, the, you know, they would use the preferred correct pronouns and name at the camp, but dead name, dead name and misgender, uh, you know, her to you because they, you know, that's, that part I'm sure is like got the, the, that's got the parents all up in arms, you know, of course that that's, that parents feel like, and, and the main, the way it's discussed too, obviously the concern is, I think this article I read even said that, said this directly, the concern is bad, what a bad boy is going to do to innocent girls. I mean, that's always the concern is like, you know, the concern isn't like, isn't like a girl saying, I identify as a boy and then harming the biological boys. It's it's the other way around. They're, that's what they're worried about. So what they're worried, which would explain why they've never been worried uh, about uh, uh, girls who are born female and who identify as girls, but who are homosexual. No one's worried that they're going to be in the bunk with girls while various girls are undressed. That's the first thing I thought right? about. I mean, when people talk about it, they often act as though it's because there'll be girls getting undressed. There, there'll be someone peeping at them. But I, so there's this idea that everyone's actually heterosexual. And first of all, we don't even know that a trans girl bunking in with a bunch of cisgendered girls is even uh, interested sexually in girls or women. They might be interested in boys and men. Um, but we, but yeah, so we, we've never really been worried that um, 
women and girls get undressed in front of the occasional lesbian girl or woman in a women's locker room, or that boys and men occasionally get undressed uh, around the occasional homosexual boy or man. No one seems worried about that. So it's just really the assumption that that biological males, whether they're trans women or trans girls, or whether they identify as boys or men, are innately predatory sexually. That's the ultimate worry, and that they are going to prey on the people in wherever they're bunking. That is exactly it. Yep, that's exactly it. Uh, because, you know, and I I mean, I've, I've known um, uh, lesbians who have, who have found it really, you know, it's like a point of pride and kind of, a, you know, they find it funny and it's kind of a point of pride to remember back like their sleepovers, you know, where my parents would never let boys come over, but the joke was on them because like my friend, my friend Sophie came over and we totally fucked all night. I said like a direct quote from one girl telling me that. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, and they're like, these are like 13, 14 year old girls, you know, and the, and so, you know, this particular girl found this to be very um, amusing and sort of like a like that's one on your parents. Um, and it, but it's true, though, in a way, it's you're absolutely right, though. And it, it's very there's a very like heteronormative thing going on where like it just completely blows past the, the whole the whole thing that like, you know, half the girls in this camp could be lesbians and just doing all kinds of crazy shit like in the cabins at night. Like nobody even thinks about that. It's just like if there's a boy in there, then they could be having sex. Like they couldn't be having sex otherwise. And also, like you say, uh, as you said, the real point really is that all of this, when you talk about protecting trans kids and, you know, and and being an inclusive camp and all that, what you're really doing is actually very anti-male in a way. It's all it's all centered on this this boys are inherently genetically flawed and predatory and we have to protect our sweet girls against these bad boys you know which is sometimes that's true though but you know the thing is like there's a lot of crazy bitches out there too who i wouldn't want to sleep in the same room with who might stab you in the middle of the night well well so then what are some other ways and that would be sort of more neutral to deal with this i mean can't a camp have um you know, there's an option for uh, like private dressing rooms or, I mean, there's there's long been different types of locker room facilities. Not everybody goes into some giant room with just like 50 different shower heads and everybody sees everybody naked. Like my freshman college uh, dorm room. That was your freshman college dorm room? Oh, yeah, yeah. Only for the men. Oh, my God. The women did Mine didn't. were individual stalls, right? Individual cabana. You could even get dressed in there. No, no one ever saw me naked ever. Yeah, the in women my had dorms. that. All the women I knew, like all the dorms were like new and whatever. Like women needed their own spaces. But I was in like what used to be a military dorm that had never, it oh hadn't been God. converted yet. In fact, it was the last semester that it was open before it was condemned. Uh, you know, this is Major <laughs> Williams Hall at Virginia Tech, and it was community showers. It was like one big room with a bunch of shower heads hang, sticking out of the uh, sticking out of the walls. You know, and that was it. It's just like a bunch of dudes in a room showering down. You know, and um, like Jeez. no women, they women would not have ever had to be subjected to that. You know, it's just there's this kind of well, assumption. Another another sexist practice. I tell you, man, making make, giving men no modesty, no privacy. And meanwhile, again, I'm sure some of the guys in your dorm using that locker room were gay 
right? It's statistically likely. I mean, how many are in the dorm? Hundreds. I'm sure, you know, five or 10% were gay. So, and nobody was worried about it. And, and no one thought, so it's not just that they believe that men are inherently predatory because no one was afraid that those men were going to prey on you. It's a combination of, they also seem to think girls and women are inherently vulnerable. Right. Like it's a strength thing. Like, oh, well, I'm a man. So if some guy had tried to uh, molest me in the shower, I I could have protected myself and defended myself because we've all been I guess we've all been watching movies our whole lives. where like normal everyday Joe six pack uh, suddenly suddenly has to fight off terrorists and he's completely prepared to do so, you know, and that's right. And we always talk about, you know, we always talk about how, you know, how sexist that is, like, even when it's something that's like, there's plenty of movies like that for all that we all all we talk about is how is movies that are sort of give that show women in a negative light but of course there's always we never talk about the fact that there's also this pressure on men to be stronger and braver and more capable than than any normal person could ever possibly be nobody gets pissed about that this is unfair you're making men you're putting all this unfair pressure on men and making them feel like you know so getting back to the point though like you you asked um well, what do we do about it? Like this, the bathrooms at Camp Interlochen. So what should they do? I mean, the camp is trying to be inclusive and they have pretty much have to do that. I mean, that's just the world now. There's like, like people can't go five seconds without making a new, uh, you know, a new like virtue signaling rule about, uh, about, you know, how inclusive they're going to be. But people are obsessed with the LGBTQ trans thing right now. That's for sure. So every... Every, you know, even semi-progressive uh, company has got to be doing this. So, so what do they do, though? Because is it fair? I mean, I, at the same time, we've actually covered a lot of points of, like, why maybe their law, that maybe this rule at the camp isn't such a big deal. But I can also completely understand why, as a parent, you know, that might be a real problem. Like, you don't want to send your 12-year-old girl to a camp and then some 12-year-old boy who is up to no good, um, and having been a 12- and 13-year-old boy, I can tell you from experience that they do think a lot about doing things to other 13, 14-year-old girls or whatever, right? I mean, they're a bunch of horny, crazy people, and so are the girls. They're all they're all crazy and unstable at that age. So sending your kid, sending like my 12-year-old girl to a camp and knowing that some some 13-year-old boy is going to say like, oh, hi, uh, actually, I'm Loretta, so I'm going to sleep in there with the girls tonight, you know, or take showers with them or whatever. I mean, that's, that's fucked up. That's, that's crazy. That doesn't work. So there's got to be some, if you want to be, like what do what what do you need? What do you do? Like a separate cabin? Like if you identify as as trans and you go in the trans cabin, that's not going to work because can you imagine the headlines on that? You know, trans trans campers sequestered like like you know like they're 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 like the pariahs, the persona non grata at Camp Interlochen. Yeah. You couldn't do that. So what do you do? So in other words, this is one of the implications of like as as soon as I first heard the, the first person I met that said I'm. I'm non-binary. I immediately started thinking years ago like about where this is going to lead. And this is a good example of the kind of place it leads to where there's just it's just, just hopelessly mired. And it really shows you how much our society depends on that gender binary and and on not just the binary, but I mean on the sort of cis normative uh way of things, which is that your assigned sex is 
you know, there's no difference between sex and gender. You are what you are biologically. That's what you are gender-wise. It shows you how much, it shows you how much our social institutions do depend on that assumption. And when, and, and when you throw them out the window, everything goes out the window with it. And we can't kind of don't know what to do now. The major uh, reason seems to, that people are worried about this seems to be this assumption that males are inherently predatory or prone to be sexual predators and that females are inherently vulnerable to that. So that would explain why people weren't worried about homosexuals in sex-segregated settings like locker rooms and dorm showers and all that and camp cabins. But you mentioned that there's also the possibility of manipulating the system. So Johnny could pretend to be a trans girl just to be in the girl's cabin. Now, the chances of that happening are probably really, really slim, right? But it's it goes to show that you'd have to do something more like the Olympics or the NCAA does, which is they have very specific rules about how a transgender identified person um, can actually qualify to be on an athletic team of a specific gender, right? You, right. Leah Thomas, the, uh, the swimmer, didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to consider myself a woman so I can compete against all the other women in swimming and win. Leah Thomas went through a transition and there are rules about your hormone levels and other things and how, you know, that a lot, a lot of different rules. So should Camp Interlochen and places like that have similar rules so that there can't be a manipulation of the system? I would imagine, where- yeah. And I would imagine, you know, first of all, what the point you're bringing up about the sort of um, the uh, the bad apples, we'll call them, you know, the people pretending to be trans in order to take advantage of the system um, and to take advantage of vulnerable women. Um I, that really does that seems to be the concern with a lot of people when you talk about same sex bathrooms, et cetera, you know, is that is, you know, and it's important to make that distinction because, of course, you know, it's just such a knee jerk, progressive, liberal, woke, uh, you know, response to just label you as anti trans, as transphobic or whatever, if you raise any criticism to anything. And so it is important to distinguish look, I'm not saying anything about trans people. I'm, we're talking about. You know, we're talking about people who aren't trans. So we're just really those that that same criticism about about bathrooms, about, uh, you know, a female identifying male being able to use, you know, the women's bathroom um, that, you know, that really, again, is sort of like we're just what what we're criticizing there is is men still. So it's it's okay, everybody. You can relax. You know, we're not we're not attacking trans people and we're not attacking women. We're just attacking men. We're attacking men who are predatory. So it's cool. I don't know why everybody gets so up in arms about it. Like, you know, you are okay. Well, you are saying that men are bad and they're going to do bad things. So we like that. That's good. The good so far. But this is gonna this is gonna make it difficult. This is gonna mean that a trans person can't do something that they want to do so that's bad so we're gonna have to figure out where to meet in the middle but leah thomas let's talk about leah thomas for a second because that's a good segue we wanted to talk about leah thomas um and for a little while now because uh leah thomas just won the the 500 like the the highest i guess that's the highest uh college uh competition right i think 
Um, so everybody's all pissed off about this. And there's been a lot of people saying, and like athletes and coaches and all kinds of people saying, like the woman who came in second is actually the winner because Leah Thomas is just a cheat. And of course, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of that. A lot of people are, you know, making a lot of fuss about this. So I did a little research about like what, like you were just saying, there's things Leah Thomas had to do before she could actually swim on this team. She didn't just show up and go, hey, I'm a girl, I'll swim with you. Right. So, you know, the rules are for at least six months or something like that, right? Your levels, your, your, your levels have to be a certain, they have to be down to a certain level for a certain amount of time for like at least six months or something, your hormone levels, right? Um, at the same time, you know, people have pointed out uh, that the article, the stats that I've seen is that um, women are typically six to 11.2% slower than men in the pool. So you're a female swimmer, if you took women and men and put them in the same pool, and by women and men, I mean biological, male and females, and you put them against each other, the men would win every time. The women are going to be 6% to almost, to just over 11% slower. Leah Thomas's times swimming on the women's team are 2.6% to 7.4% slower since transitioning. So... I guess what that means is, you know, you can do that math. It's a little bit confusing, but, you know, if you take the average of those and you say basically Leah Thomas is about 5% slower since transitioning and women on average are about 8 to 9% slower, you figure Leah Thomas is still going to win every time pretty much, even with the hormone uh, treatments. However, when you consider that the second place, the, 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 uh, the woman who came in second barely lost – you know, either it's closer than we think or Leah Thomas is just not very good. Right. When you were comparing the average times and how men are going to beat women every time, or at least men who are good swimmers are going to beat women who are good swimmers every time. But the whole point is that if Leah Thomas is not anymore like actually biologically male, then she isn't going to swim as fast as those men. Isn't that part of the point? No, but Leah Thomas, since transitioning um, with the reduced hormone levels, is slower. She is slower than she was as a man, but she's still – the percentage of how much slower she is is still much less than the percentage that normally women are slower than men. The, with any sport, basically, the problem is that if you take – like like there are a ton of women out there that could absolutely kick my ass in, in every sport imaginable, right? Because I'm not, I'm not athletic. But the point is, if you take the best women in the world and put them against the best men in the world, the men are going to beat them at a lot of, at sports that are based on speed and strength and things like that. So in golf, you know, the average PGA golfer can drive the ball 325 yards or something, and the average LPGA golfer can drive the ball 275 or something. And they're the best people in the world. The men are just going to hit that much further. So on every single hole, they're approaching the green from 50 to 100 yards closer. So if you reduce the testosterone of that man and now he only hits 300, he's still 25 yards further along. You know, So I get the, the idea that it really isn't fair to have Leah Thomas competing does make sense to me. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but, 
you know, the idea, you know, of course what people want to do, like, obviously people are being terrible about it. People are harassing Leah Thomas and all that. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that people should be taking this out on the individual. Um, but at the same time, you know, people on the left just taking the opportunity to just to act like there's actually no issue here and it's completely fair and everybody's just this is just transphobia like this is just we're we all just hate trans people and here's a good chance to like to heap some hate on people but there's actually no issue that's bullshit too because there is an issue and i think again it's important to point out that you know like there are so many different variables right so there are going to be biological females who are going to be able to beat uh, biological males who are who are trans, you know, you know, maybe for example, like what if Leah Thomas was actually like only five feet tall and swimming against all the other all the women on the team are you know are six feet tall, you know. But the point is, on average, I think all I'm saying is, you know, you can point out an example and go, see, it's okay because of this one outlying example. But I I think you got to say like on average. The odds are not going to favor biological women against biological men, even with testosterone treatment, it seems to me. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I guess we'll see because this is the way things are going to keep going, I guess. So think about um, the models. Uh, to be a fashion model, you have to be really tall, lean, and thin with Used narrow hips and a small chest. Used well, to be. It, yeah. So uh, it seems like that uh, you could be a trans woman and if you were born male, you're likely to be taller. You're likely to have less body fat and narrower hips. You can either have a flat chest or you can get implants and have, you know, perfect looking breasts or whatever. And then you'd have the advantage as a fashion model as well, <laughs> right? Over, over an actual born female. Except, of course, that's an industry that is, that is you know, by definition, um, a pretty superficial, aesthetic-based industry. So, um, although, you know, a sort of a, an androgynous um, look has been popular in the fashion industry for years. Um, so, I think there are a lot of models who already, uh, a lot of, you know, male models who who look very feminine and a lot of female models who look kind of masculine. Um, somebody out there is like, what does masculine and feminine mean? You know what I mean? We're going to see more and more of this, uh, you know, this issue is just going to keep permeating every imaginable level of society, which is really interesting because, uh, you know, of course, the people who are currently just in the in the grip of this sort of like LGBTQ brain fever, which is it it is what it is, and I I don't mean anything against LGBTQ people by that statement. What I mean is that this this mania of uh, trans inclusivity it's it really is fascinating to ask yourself to just step back for a second, like relax for a second. And uh, wipe the the foam the foaming froth off of your off of your mouth and like wait wait what are we so upset about right now because people are just you know this it's this lens through which you see everything how did this happen you know it was only a few years ago that this wasn't even you know it just was so off the radar and suddenly it's just everything everywhere and it is. I never would have predicted that, as I've said before many times. Like, you know, 
uh, I never would have predicted that it would have gone to this level. And it is fascinating to ask why. Because you cannot possibly be naive to believe that this is just because, as they would say, as as the you know the people who are in the grip of this would say, the reason this is everywhere is because we are everywhere. Because actually, most people are trans. Most people are gay. They're like half the population is gay and trans, and f- and we've been held down under your boot for for years and decades and centuries, and we're finally rising up. And now you see everyone around you, everyone you know is gay and trans, and that's actually simply not true. You know, I just had to do a sensitivity read on yet another um, on yet another textbook. Like in the last couple of weeks alone, I mean, I've done several biology textbooks. I've done several social psychology textbooks. I've done an intro to human sexuality college textbook, you know, and you do see there are actually, you know, there are actually facts about this. Like most people are heterosexual and most people are cis. And the answer would be, you know, that's because they've been brainwashed into thinking that, man. But it's not, actually. It's not. That's the, You think that, like, most people, and that's exactly what they say. Most people are only cis because they've been brainwashed into thinking that's what they have to be. Because they're constantly being shamed and trained and groomed into being cis. And most people are straight because of the same reasons. If suddenly we could just have a big awakening, everybody would realize they're living a fucking lie. And we would all become trans and gay. That really is. It really does seem to be the the uh the belief there well they i don't know any wait but i don't know any lgbt plus person who would say what you said they wouldn't say we would all be everyone would be trans and gay if society didn't hold us back okay so that's a good point i i need to reiterate that i'm not again kind of like what i was saying earlier i'm not criticizing lgbtq people what i'm criticizing is all these just like these kind of woke people, that's the right word for it because that's what I'm trying to pinpoint here is these woke people who have lost their minds, who are neither stra- who, who are neither trans nor gay. It's the same thing as like what, what's the problem with Black Lives Matter? You know, what, I'm not talking about black people. I, I mean like it's the white people who have gone crazy about Black Lives Matter, the straight cis people who have gone crazy about trans inclusivity. I'm not talking about people who are actually gay or trans. So it's the people who are, uh, have good intentions who are trying to champion the movement who themselves actually make the movement or the people it represents look bad because the, the zealous um, woke people are actually saying things that don't even necessarily represent the realities of the people the movement represents. Yeah, I'm very glad that you actually, that you... Uh, ask me that question because it can easily exactly it's exactly what i was talking about earlier where you start you start criticizing something and suddenly it looks like like when we were talking about like the issue with bathrooms you know you start criticizing the idea of what you're really trying to say is is i'm afraid of those sketchy men going into the bathroom and taking advantage of my daughter but what you end up sounding like is i hate trans people You know, that's what happens if you're not very, very careful. And so I'm glad you pointed that out because what I'm talking about, the people that I'm trying to pinpoint here are just the people who are the well-meaning liberal people who are, you know, they're just progressive. They're well-meaning. They think they're just, they just like, 
Let's lo- everybody should be able to love whoever they want to love. Everybody should be able to be whoever they want to be. Just be your authentic self. You know, they think they're just like having a fun little like hippie thing. This is just the new hippie thing where everybody gets to be a hippie and it's fun. Yay. Before we all become like capitalist scumbags in the 70s, you know, which is what's yeah. coming next, I guess, after this. But it's like that's the people that I'm trying that that is the people who I'm I'm attacking here over is the virtue signalers the people yeah the the illiberal left <laughs> it, exactly that is exactly what it is the illiberal left and can I just I had written a quote down maybe this is a good uh, way to transition it's a quote from our fearless leader Joe Biden you know Biden needed to make a statement about you know in opposition to this this law in Texas um, and. But I just want to read this Biden quote um, as an example of this sort of mindless, well-meaning, but really mindless and actually problematic sort of rhetoric. He said, transgender children bring fulfillment to their parents, joy to their friends, and are made in the image of God. Affirming a transgender child's identity is one of the best things a parent, teacher, or doctor can do to help keep children from harm. And parents who love and affirm their children should be applauded and supported, not threatened, investigated, or stigmatized. So that's great. Who can argue against that? But wait. That's, that same kind of, that's an asinine thing to say. Children bring fulfillment to their parents, joy to their friends, and are made in the image of God. Like, of course. You know, like children are, it's like saying puppies are cute. You wouldn't want to kick this puppy, would you? It's just such a fucking <laughs> stupid thing to say. And then it says, affirming a transgender child's identity is one of the best things a parent, teacher, or doctor can do. Can you really make it, can you make such a blanket sta- statement? It's always good. Like if a child says they're trans, you've got to affirm it. It's the best thing you can do, whether you're their teacher or their parent or their doctor. It's just not that simple. That's a great talking point for Biden. And everybody goes, he loves trans people. Yay. But it's that's that's a ridiculously simplistic statement. You know, if somebody comes in to a therapist or a doctor and says, I'm trans, give me this and that. And the doctor should just automatically affirm it. And those are the rules and the laws that are being passed more and more and more. Now, is that like if you're a therapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, and somebody comes in and they tell you you're trans, you don't even have the right anymore. As the, as the doctor, as the psychiatrist, you don't get to say, look, I know you. Like you've, you've told me we've been talking for two years. And in my opinion, actually, this is not the case. You can't do that. We might look at what's really going on and go, okay. Here are parents who won't even let their kid get a tattoo or a piercing before they're 18, or they won't let their kid do certain other things because they're in charge of their kid, or they make their kids go to church every Sunday, whatever they make them do. That's their right to do that as parents. So how can we balance that with the reality that there are a lot of homophobic, transphobic parents out there who do wind up with trans or gay kids? And life for those kids is not easy, right? And there is a psychological distress. There is suicidal ideation. There are suicides um, that among those kids. And so when teachers and parents and other adults in their life don't support them, it is really difficult for them. We can acknowledge that, but we can also acknowledge that parents feel some responsibility for their kids, and they also feel some control and some legal rights over some of the kids' decisions. Again, they, uh, parents typically think they have a say in all kinds of things their kids do before their kids are 18. I think that's a great encapsulation of the problem. 
it's being characterized on both sides as just way, way simpler than it is. People do have a right to to worry about people. We have a right to ask these questions. We have the right to debate. We have a right to stand here and be and, and be heard. I mean, <laughs> that's what, you know, like I'm saying that as somebody who is critical of a lot of these things. I'm critical of the of the of the sort of woke left in a lot of ways. I'm also not at the, the guys you described on the other side who's going around just intentionally um, being an asshole to, to, to like to trans people or gay people. And I'm constantly trying to point out like those people are not who I'm criticizing. At the same time, you know, when I say I'm not critical of trans people, that doesn't mean that I couldn't be critical of a specific trans person if I, if I felt I needed to be. And, or of their gender ideology. Right. I mean, that's yeah. what we, we do is question gender orthodoxy and they're, they develop their own gender orthodoxy in certain ways. And it's in, immune from critical scrutiny or open inquiry. And that's just as annoying as when a right wing woman says, I know the creator made me to serve my husband. I mean, it's, that's its own gender orthodoxy, which is annoying. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like, I mean, you know, you know like if you know, a man wants to marry that woman because she'll make him pancakes every day, then I mean, you know, right on, whatever. Right. But you get, but that my point is we always criticize the way in which their gender ideology was an orthodoxy and they didn't question it or it wasn't sort of open to scrutiny. And you would, and, and so it doesn't matter if the person's conservative like that woman or more liberal, you, you should be able to criticize and, and interrogate and deconstruct the way they've understood gender. But, it, you know, no, there's no, nobody's gender identity is like completely sacred, you know, if you have an analytical view of gender. And you say, well, gender is socially constructed, it's politically navigated and negotiated, it's, um, you know, people have different you know, stories there or narratives they tell around what makes them masculine or feminine or why they like being a boy or a girl or any of those things or what makes them gender non-binary. And those are narratives that you can deconstruct too. It isn't that one set you can get to deconstruct and criticize and the other you, you like, you know, it's untouchable. A good example of the kind of real world problems that come up that get completely oversimplified by both sides. Uh, if you're a parent and your child is going through all kinds of crazy shit in adolescence, which is super common, right? I don't have any kids, but I remember when I was a teenager, I have a sister who's a year and a half older than me, and I'm not like talking out of school here. This is like you could ask anybody in my family and they would all tell you my sister went batshit crazy the second she turned 13, basically. <laughs> and for like several years, right? You know, <laughs> like, like she just immediately, she just started dating the worst boys she could find. And she would look around and go, that guy looks like bad news. I'm going to hang out with him. And she would be like, I'm going out. It's like 11 o'clock at night on a school night. And she'd go, I'm going out. And, you know, and my mom and my, you know, my mom, my stepdad would, would, would say like, you know, it's too late. You can't go out. And she, and she'd go, I'm going anyway. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to stop me? And she just walk out. I mean, she basically put them in the position where unless they wanted to put bars on her windows yeah. and physically restrain her, there was no way to control her. She was going to do whatever the hell she wanted to do, you know, and that's it. That didn't last that long. She, you know, she grew out of it, whatever. Like, you know, everybody freaks out when they're a teenager. So let's say you're a parent, you have a daughter who is go really going through it and 
She spends all of her time on social media with the whole world telling her that she must be trans and this is the answer and so she decides that she's trans. But you as the parent don't believe that. Let's say you're the parent and you go, well, it's a chicken or the egg thing. I mean, she's been struggling with depression and anxiety her whole life. And now she's being told that that's because she's trans and all of these problems are because she was forced to live a lie. Okay, but nobody actually goes and tells a teenager, if you have anxiety, that's because you're trans. Where did that come from? Well, no, I think there is a, a hell of a lot of social pressure pointing in exactly that direction that you I mean how many this the story that you hear over and over and over again is that you know it's an oversimplified story in which what sounds like normal human problems and particularly adolescent problems feeling like you never fit in anxiety depression all these things become recast by social media as the reason this is happening is because you are this and that's why you felt like you didn't fit in. And then you suddenly, more and more, you're encouraged to see that as the source and be-all, end-all of your problems. I think that's a very common thing that happens in social media and, and peer groups. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's I've heard that story and seen that story written and heard it from people in the flesh, you know, many times. The, the point is you become encouraged to tell a narrative, to formulate a narrative right. in which... I never really felt like I fitted in and I was never happy and I was always lonely and I always felt anxious and depressed. And then one day I, and I always hated my body. And then one day I realized it was because I was living this lie and I didn't fit into this body or I didn't fit into this role that society was forcing me to play. But the point is you do have a right If you know that human being, you have a right to have an opinion about the matter, even if you have to keep it to yourself. So if you're a parent and you feel like your child has sort of been convinced, you know, the word they use is social contagion and which they which, of course, you know, they say doesn't exist. But of course it exists like like the hippies, like everybody just suddenly was a hippie. No, of course, everybody started wearing beads and long hair and shit from India and going around talking about the Dalai Lama. <laughs> like in 1966, all of a sudden, or 1967 or whatever, bam, everybody in the fucking country was doing that. Why? Oh, it's just, uh, that's just because it was their true, authentic selves. It was their authentic selves. And suddenly, they were allowed to express it. No, it's because a whole fucking social contagion thing happened, and that's what happened. And then, like, you know, within 10 years, it was done. Well, I, I don't think, I don't agree, I don't agree that it was done in 10 years. I think actually we, we totally inherited the hippie thing, but like you said before, it turned into a capitalist, you know, just yet another way to make money. So. Well, no, what, I mean, it had a lasting impact. It's, it's still, yeah, it changed the world, just like this trans thing has done. I don't mean it was done like, I don't mean we were just back to the way we were. What I mean is that pretty much like like the hippies were gone and the only people who were still acting like hippies you know were like kind of a caricature after a while you know it the 60s turned into the 70s and the hippie movement died is what i'm saying and everybody just like smoked too much weed and had too many fucking orgies and did too much acid and you know whatever right i mean it it, it was a big as my dad an ex-hippie used to say you know we were we were really starting to get some things done man and then it just turned into a big party. Everybody got smoked too much grass, slept around too much, and then everybody just got too distracted and, you know, we didn't make it. You know, that was sort of like, you know, we blew it, like Easy Rider, you know. They they, they go on this big spiritual quest and then they end up at the end of the quest uh, just like fucking some prostitutes in New Orleans. And he says, like, the last thing he says is, we blew it. 
what do you do if you're a parent and you don't believe? I'm not even going to fall into the trap of, of making a, a judgment call on people's authentic selves. But let me just ask the question. What if you are a parent or a friend or a husband or a wife or a father or a daughter or a mother or whatever, and there's a person in your life who's very close to you who, who identifies as trans and you believe you've known them for 20 years and you believe this is actually sort of like a red herring or something. You believe it's not as authentic as they think it is, but your hands are tied by like the state. How would, as a parent, how would you feel in that case? If like your daughter wants to have a double mastectomy at 18 or at 16, is it as Biden said? Yeah. As Biden said, yeah, I'm not sure what the law is. Like, can you do it at 16? If if we if we listen to what Joe Biden said, then you should be like, absolutely, let's go get your tits off, you know, and let's do it. This is going to be great. You're going to be so happy after you do this. You know, what about I mean, should you not like should we not consider the case of detransitioners? Should we not talk about this? Should we not consider mental health history? You know, what I'm saying is, what do you do if you're a parent and you believe that this authentic self is not actually so authentic? According to what everybody is saying, you have no right to even have a discussion with your own daughter about this. You should just, you have to accept them. As somebody said the other day, like, as you see uh, these, these protest signs and people writing, you know, in articles where people say, you know, your child is the gender they tell you they are. Period. Well, and again, I, I still want to have us remember that there are plenty of parents out there that are perfectly fine medicating their children and getting surgery on their children. There are many parents who who have consented to surgeries on their children and medications for their children who are born gender indeterminate or intersexed or um, some sort of gender mosaic, and they are like, yeah, let's make this into a boy or a girl and or this child into a boy or a girl, not... You mean like like an intersex right. child, and they and they and they do a surgery to go like one right. way or the other, and or something. So, and then they're also parents who are perfectly fine giving their daughters breast implants for their sweet sixteen birthday. So, what mm-hmm. bothers me, and like you've said in the past, is the hypocrisy. So, it is if you you know, and it, but again, it, it may be that a parent says, "No, I I want to embrace gender traditions," and so. I'm fine with my daughter getting breast implants, but not a double mastectomy or um, a gender confirmation surgery to be a trans uh, man. But that, I mean, where I, I think we, that's where it's really hard to go, okay, if we're so into individual choice and expression, then what do we do when a parent has one view of gender and, and or religion or religious restrictions on how you modify your body, um, and your child has a different set, right? I mean, there's there are religions where you don't get tattoos or you don't get piercings or you don't show any skin above above your elbow or below or, or above your knee, right? So there are there are all kinds of um, religious traditions and other beliefs where. There are rules for how you deal with gender and the body. And so should we throw all those out the window? So those are where, you know, if we're supposed to respect diversity, we're supposed to respect the people who are so religious in a particular religious tradition, that this would be really hard for them. And I think to to acknowledge at the very least that that's hard for those parents. Um, and, you know, to not quite, you know, frame them as criminals for having the beliefs they have when 
They never thought that those beliefs harmed anyone. Now they're being framed as that those beliefs harm your child because your child is harmed if you don't confirm their gender identity or consent to these kinds of medical treatments. So I think that's where we really have to be sensitive to sort of both sides there. Again, we can be sensitive to a kid who says, no, well, you know, we have total control over our reproduction now, right? We have, since the 1960s, we've had reliable control over reproduction. Since the 70s, abortion has been legal, right? So if somebody gets um, pregnant and didn't want to be pregnant or decides they don't want to be pregnant, they can legally terminate the pregnancy. So we have... We have all of these um, ways to control reproduction, which does make sexual difference less important. Of course, before those technologies, sex differences made a huge difference. There are reasons that religious traditions organize things around sex differences. There, There are lots of reasons. There were reasons we had chaperoned heterosexual dating, right? Because someone could end up parents (laughs) if they they had heterosexual intercourse they there weren't reliable um ways to control reproduction so to me that's that's pretty significant um and so removing our um the ways in which reproduction steered our lives um does open up all these possibilities so in some ways, that's yeah. great. In some ways, that just opens a whole huge can of worms, right? Because you now people have, I mean, that that's part of what paved the way for gay rights, right? People weren't having sex to reproduce. People started having sex for pleasure. Eventually, homosexuality lost its stigma. And I think that's in part because we didn't define things as, um, you know, we because we did change and start seeing sexuality not as an essence geared toward reproduction, but as something that people did for self-expression and pleasure. So then, so then gender comes along. Well, then what is gender for? There's not. It doesn't like signal your role in a reproductive act, like uh, biological sex. The biological sex category doesn't really matter anymore. So then gender just becomes something you play around with. Ah, I kind of feel like dressing this way or expressing myself this way. So gender is more and more a matter of self-expression. In fact, I don't, I don't even think my students who are, you know, 20 years old, they, they, they know of no time unless they read history books or something where what, are the odds? <laughs> uh, what sex you were born as was a pretty big deal. It made a pretty big difference in your life. Not because people were sexist, but because of what role you had in reproduction that you were sort of consigned to. It's interesting, though, you you saying that, though, I mean, you're saying like most of your students who are 20 years old have never really known a time where biological sex really mattered. At the same time, if you did a poll on most of those 20-year-old students, most of them are in the grip of thinking that they're constantly being held down if they're women or gay or trans even a million times worse. And we are, you're fighting for your life every single day. Yeah. But they think they're being held down because of their gender identity or gender category. They don't understand that gender and is an inequality used to revolve around biological sex. Not that biological sex rationalized, or justified, sorry, it did rationalize it, but it didn't justify it. But we, people, 
they they think people just don't like things that seem feminine or whatever. Like they, I I just feel like they don't really understand. You know, that say there were there were reasons it made less sense to recruit a bunch of women to go to medical school in 1932, right? Because they were likely to get married and have children and they wouldn't be able to control how many children they had. And they wouldn't, or at least not very reliably. And it made, and that was part of why women who were feminists fought for certain rights Part of what they wanted rights around was the fact that they had to be baby bearers and the fact that they had um, these these special burdens or special biological circumstances. Now our students are fighting for equity and rights um, that don't have anything to do with biology. So that that's why they can so easily, and on so many of these... Um, uh, equity, diversity, um, and inclusion statements that you, they so easily leave off sex. They talk about how it's bad to discriminate against gender. It's bad to discriminate against race, against sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera. And sex is, is not even always on the list. It's so sex, biological sex category is not a thing, but sex was a reason women got discriminated against. You know, you've given us a good sort of historical, you know, the evolution of of the issue into where, you know, the evolution of the sort of like sex to gender spectrum here, where I think, you know, where I guess a lot of women and feminists, where you end up uh, with what they call TERFs now, which is women who feel like they've been thrown under the bus by the trans sort of hysteria that's going on now, the, the absolute laser focus on trans rights at the expense of women's rights. Women just fought and fought and fought and fought and kept climbing the hill and climbing the hill and climbing the hill. And at the top of the hill was like a trans kid who went, who just knocked him back down the hill. 